Good evening. Thank you for listening to the podcast, Be Happy, Healthy and Wealthy. Dr. Irene Cheng here, reporting regarding mitochondrial dysfunction. So the topic for today is how to overcome tiredness and how to treat mitochondrial dysfunction. Mitochondrial is a powerhouse and if it's not working, it's going to give you tiredness. So please listen to this podcast. Please follow and subscribe. And please email me on info at drireneching.co.uk so that you can get the mitochondrial food plan or more information about treatment. So today, I'm going to explore a bit more about mitochondria. A lot of people don't understand what is mitochondria. Mitochondria is actually the powerhouse in our cells. It's originally passed down by the mum's gene down to the children. And the genetics of it are a bit different from our normal DNA. So that's why we call it mitochondrial DNAs because they're they are very different. We've only got 37 genes in the mitochondrial DNA. And they are very complex and they are highly susceptible to oxidative damage. When I say oxidative damage, what it means is it can get destroyed by the process of oxidation where when we get the reactive oxygen species, from inflammation, from radiation or toxin that creates problem and damages our cells, okay? So now mitochondrial distribution is highly concentrated in area that needs a lot of power energy or power molecules. We call it ATP. Now to do anything in your body, like for the heart to pump, for the uh, ions to be carried through the membrane or a gradient, you need ATP, which is the energy molecule. Now, mitochondrial's job is to produce this ATP. It can be found a lot in the kidney cells, the uh, contractile protein, and also it's really pulled a lot in the heart muscles, okay? So it's coupled to a lot of the cells and it regulates the movement of calcium throughout the cells. So it's important, uh, mitochondria is important to make uh, energy in the body and it makes cells. And it's also important in the signaling of uh, the molecules, the processes and biochemical reaction in the system. So like what I said, it's important to maintain the iron gradients. We call it the polarized cells, like for example, in the heart muscles and in the nerve muscles. It also uh, responsible in the generation and the balance of the reactive oxygen species, okay, which happens in obviously the membranes. And it buffers the, uh, the movement of the calcium ions and it's important in activating immune response. And as you know, ATP is, is a neurotransmitters, like the transmission chemicals that creates a uh, movement of uh, 
energy in the brain and signals, okay? It regulates your self-growth, cell cycle, and your metabolism. So what I wanted to talk about is obviously about how mitochondrial is important. So for us doctors, we need to look at it because mitochondrial dysfunctions can cause a lot of diseases. And the big diseases that we know are things that we are trying to avoid. And it's a lot of them related to aging and inflammation. So let me tell you a list of signs and symptoms that is usually related to mitochondrial dysfunction. Okay, so we've got a long list here. And obviously, I wanted to go through them because it's important because if you get any of these symptoms, you can actually talk about it with your doctor. Okay, and some of these are diseases that you get frightened when you hear about them. And what I wanted to say is, if it's causing a lot of issues, obviously, you want to do something about it. You know, diseases like, for example, Alzheimer's, neurodegenerative condition like Parkinson's disease, uh, memory issues, cognitive decline or impairment, metabolic syndrome like insulin resistance, type 2 diabetes, obesity, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, cancer, like I mentioned, neuromuscular disorder, neurodegenerative disorder, chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia, cardiovascular disease like congestive heart failure, stroke, mood disorder like bipolar, multiple chemical sensitivity or premature aging. So these are some of the diseases uh, that is related to mitochondrial dysfunction. Now, for example, um, we, will, we will talk about mitochondrial dysfunction and cognitive decline. So what is the mechanism? So from injury, aging, and inflammation, it causes impairment of the mitochondria. Then the mitochondria cause uh, go through the uh, fission or fusion, which obviously cause the mitochondria to fragment and also reduce the recycling of the mitochondria or creating more zombified mitochondria or powerhouse. And what happened in the bioenergetic level it reduces your ATP, which is the uh, energy molecule. It also increases your reactive oxygen species or ROS. Then what happened as well? You've got problem with the mitochondrial transport where there's less movement and also reduce axonal or nerve distribution of the mitochondrial. Now, why is the brain uniquely vulnerable uh, to oxidative damage? There's a lot of reason because you get a lot of multiple sources of reactive oxygen species generation, for example, from your NO, NO, which is your nitrous oxides, your complex one, P450 system, and you know, neurotrophic factor withdrawal. So also some of the causes like your redox active metal rich, you know, catalytic ions, also the auto-oxidation of monoamines. Uh, glutamate excitotoxicity as well. You get limited antioxidant and repair capacity in the brain because it's got low catalase and also mitochondrial lack catalase can cause problems. And then you've got your resident immune cells like the microglia cells that produce a lot of 
uh, re uh, reactive oxygen species and cytokines. Okay, so there are a lot of articles out there that talk about what's happened. And also, the other thing is the brain is intolerant to a blood flow disruption. And it's got limited regeneration, uh, even though it can do neurogenesis and gliogenesis can be stimulated, but the regeneration is still limited compared to other types of cells. And then small deficits in the brain can have a huge impact if it's being wiped out or affected by inflammation or infarct, which is like stroke. And the circuit function is very, very crucial. And of course, it's very sensitive to aging and PUFA as well. Now, what are the common mediators in neurodegeneration? So like what I've mentioned earlier, mitochondrial dysfunction, reactive oxygen species, and also you can get abnormal protein aggregation like the tau protein and inflammation. So what happened is that uh, a lot of this damage to the lipids, the protein, DNA, RNA, and uh, in con mild cognitive impairment that obviously uh, you know caused by the mitochondrial dysfunction, and we've realized that uh, oxidative damage um, is the basis and the early event that caused the uh, beginning process of Alzheimer's disease. And hence, once we know that now, we can put that as a therapeutic target so that we can focus on removing or eliminating or reducing this process to stop the progression or even triggering the onset of those diseases like Alzheimer's disease. So some of this mitochondrial dysfunction obviously has got uh, a long list to it. Okay, What happened is it's, uh, you've got the oxidative phosphorylation impairment in it, you get mitochondrial gene expression alteration or mutation. It causes increase in, um, you know, reactive ox oxygen species production, and this lead to insulin resistance and vascular disease. And you've got problem with imbalance of fuel and energy control or balance, which leads to chronic heart failure. And you've got your abnormal fatty acid metabolism, again, causing insulin resistance and diabetes and obesity. And you get inflammatory response impairment as well because it, the body can't cope. And obviously, you can see that in diabetes and arteriosclerosis. And obviously, in mitochondrial dysfunction, you see a lot of enhancement of insulin resistance leading to obesity, diabetes, and other problems. So. I wanted to highlight uh, what is this mitochondrial issues in insulin resistance? How is it related? Okay, so what happened is when you've got decreased mitochondrial protein mass and then you have got decreased mitochondrial capacity and then the efficiency of the energy production level goes, goes um, uh, problematic. And then what happens is that you decrease the mitochondrial fatty acid oxidation, and then you lead to uh, the increased ectopic uh, lipids, which means the fat move about, and this lead to insulin resistance. So then you cause depressed level of the PGC1-alpha, which is a very important process, uh, and oxidative damage. 
and even environmental toxin as well. So these cause the impairment of the mitochondrial beta oxidation and oxphos in the skeletal muscle's liver. The intracellular buildup of lipid metabolism as well, like for example, your fatty acetyl-CoA, ceramide, diglycerol, uh, lipid, peroxidases cause lipotoxicity. Obviously, these then lead to uh, impaired intracellular insulin signaling pathways. So what happened then? The inefficiency of the electron uh, transport change and the beta oxidation, which is part of the mitochondrial dysfunction, then cause all this accumulation of lipids or fats, and then the overproduction of the oxidative damage. Then it leads to the uh, insulin signaling pathway disruption, and of course, it leads to insulin resistance. So, hence, if you start looking at some of the uh, um, treatment, you find that we'll be focusing and we'll be able to treat insulin resistance, okay? So what happens is it becomes a perfect storm where the glucose unable to enter the cells, then the beta oxidation is uh, inhibited uh, and stop, and it leads to the fat or the lipid accumulated in the muscle, uh, in skeletal muscles, in the liver and the heart. And then the gluconeogenesis, which is the uh, production and formation of glucose, is stopped. And then the Krebs cycles uh, intermediates are being depleted. And most important thing is that then the body left to uh, one thing to do, which is to break down the muscle and replace it with fat. And that's what happened in all this condition where there are intracellular energy deficits. So the body then have obesity, congestive heart failure, cachexia, diabetes, and fatty liver. So in obesity and type 2 diabetes, uh, of course, is we mentioned that it's related to mitochondrial function. So you see the skeletal muscles uh, in um, obese individual, they've done some testing and realized the mitochondria in type 2 diabetes patient are a lot smaller, they have reduced contents, and they can't uh, transport the electron properly. Okay, so in a sense, obese patient, they have smaller mitochondria and lower energy generating capacity than those non-overweight people. So that's why obese individuals tend to tire more easily and have decreased physical endurance than those with low BMI in spite of their food intake. So I also want to just mention very quickly about mitochondrial dysfunction in cancer as well. You see, in cancer cells, cancer cells actually undergo, undergo metabolic reprogramming. Well, what happened is that they have what we call the Warburg effect, where they have increased aerobic glycolysis and where the rates go up to 200 times higher than a normal tissue. And that's the basis for the PET scan. And then it used glutamine utilization and alternate fuel for citric acid cycle, okay, via the alpha ketoglutarate system. Now, the net effect is rapidly producing amino acids, nucleotides, and lipids for rapid cells proliferation. And as that's why. Excessive caloric intake is associated with increased risk for cancer. So hence, caloric restriction is protective. The metabolism also generates a lot of 
reactive oxygen system that contributes to oncogenic mutation or reprogramming of the genes. And then you also got the glycolytic switch where it inhibits the pyruvate from entering the TCA cycle and it equals inducing the aerobic glycolysis, we call it Warburg's effect. Okay. So beside all that, um, you know, there's also other dysfunction that can cause it. So that's why we want to focus on ketogenic diet. Now, let me, let me explain why the ketogenic diet is helpful for cancer treatment. Because most tumor cells have mitochondrial abnormalities and that prevent them from using ketones for energy. So there is a book called uh, Cancer as a Metabolic Disease uh, on the Origin, Management and Prevention of Cancer by Dr. Thomas Seyfried. Okay, so it's a very good book. So, and uh, it's worth having a look at it. Okay, so now I want to focus on what we could do, what are the dietary factors and uh, what, what we could do with our diet that can improve mitochondrial function. So caloric excess, okay, fructose and alcohol intake are all linked and increase mitochondrial dysfunction, okay? So things like trans fat as well is uh, obviously can cause a lot of oxidative damage. And you also got what we call the advanced glycation end products. We call it H, A-G-E, okay? Which usually are preformed and, uh, and hyperglycemic as well. And these are the uh, pathological significance in the um, mitochondrial glycation. So because of that, uh, so that's why uh, we want to focus on ketogenic diet, which can help. So I've mentioned about this, uh, where if you want uh, a, um, a, a food plan that can help to improve your mitochondria and your powerhouse, you can write to me and I can send you the mitochondrial food plan. Okay, so ketogenic diet, okay, so it mimics fasting states because it switches the metabolism of glucose to metabolism of ketones body or ketones molecule. So you have what we call the high fat to low carb, which is four to one fat to non-fats, okay? And clinically used uh, for treatment of intractable seizures in children and adolescents. And it's uh, obviously is independent of the seizure types as well. Now, the mechanism of action is unknown, but it seems to be attributed to ketone bodies, the chyclolysis and the mitochondrial metabolism. Okay, so this has been proven to help in drug resistance, epilepsy, Alzheimer's disease, because it overcomes the impairment of glucose metabolism and it protects against the beta amyloid, okay? Also helps in Parkinson's disease and it increases the mitochondrial efficiency and overcomes the complex one defects. It also helps in brain tumors, migraines, autism spectrum disorder, and also theoretically could help in traumatic brain injury and stroke, okay? So... Uh, so what we're looking for is we're looking for blood concentration of the 3-hydroxybutyrate in different cat uh, condition. Like, for example, normal state is less than 0 0.1. Fasting or starvation state is 5 to 8. Carb-restricted diet is 0 0.5 to up to 5 to 8. And diabetic ketoacidosis is between 10 to 20. 10 to 20. 
Okay, so a ketogenic diet is well known to reduce inflammation through the pathway of NF-kappa B and enhances the mitochondrial biogenesis, which is the production and the makeup. It enhances the ATP, which is the power molecule or the energy molecule production. It reduces the uh, free radicals or the reactive oxygen species production. It reduces apoptosis and increased insulin sensitivity and increased leptin sensitivity as well. So they've also mentioned the GERD microbiota that helps to me mediate the anti-seizure effects of the ketogenic diet. Okay, so... Um, so they have said that there are some changes in the gut microbiota and uh, that has obviously led to the anti-seizures effects of the ketogenic diets. It seems that it regulates the amino acid glutamylation and also the hippocampal gamma glutamate basis or uh, balance. So the dietary choices that we always like to say is mitochondrial food plan. The focus is on obviously supporting healthy mitochondria through food that improve energy production. So it's anti-inflammatory, low glycemic, gluten-free, low grain, high quality fat approach. Okay. So then in this list, it applies to three different caloric distribution, 40, 30, 30, low carbohydrates, mildly ketogenic or stricter ketogenic. So if you want to uh, write to me at info at drirenching.co.uk, I can give you a mitochondrial food plan, which is a, a good plan for you to, um, you know, um, eat better. And dietary intervention is a very good therapeutic intervention. So you can reduce carbs with, ketogen keto with the ketogenic option. And the most important thing is the diversity in the phytonutrient, okay? So we would want to focus on the rich uh, fruits and vegetables that has got plenty of colors, okay? And have a, a healthy eating plan, which is very important. And it's important to vary the colors each and every day, okay? The goal is one to two each color per day, if possible. Now, uh, I uh, mentioned about intermittent fasting as well, which obviously can help with the mitochondrial food uh, plan. Um, and mitochondrial um, uh, dysfunction improvement as well. And hence, uh, the, I can also give you some document about intermittent fasting. And a few other things that can help with a mitochondrial dysfunction is exercise. So moderate intensity exercise uh, can help to increase the mitochondrial density, increase the cardiolipine content, increase the complex four, and also it improved the HbA1c and fasting plasma glucose. So it's very important, especially in those people who are pre-diabetic. Okay, so it's definitely going to reduce your insulin resistance and, and definitely will help. Okay, so I just wanted to mention that the caloric restriction, the exercise and the cold uh, treatment uh, has also helped. Uh, in activating the AMPK system and the SIRT1 system. And that leads to PGC1-alpha system to be enhanced. For example, it gets built up in the muscle, brain, liver, and brown adipose tissue or fatty tissue. And then it improves the gene regulation. And then you improve the mitochondrial uh, production or um uh, recycling and also improving the size of the mitochondria and functionality. 
So then the lead, uh, it will lead to increase ATP, the powerhouses, the power molecule, increase fatty acid oxidation, increase energy, endurance, weight loss, and longevity. So uh, the phytochemicals that we like uh, to mention here is the alpha lipoic acid, ALA, berberine, curcumin, which is um, your turmeric, quercetin, all, all mentioned in the treatment of long COVID, resveratrol, which is from your red wine, your uh, terostipind, and green tea polyphenols. So all of this will help your all the molecule system like the MPK and the sertraline. Now, the benefits of the enhanced mitochondrial function is that it will reduce oxidative stress and reduce the reactive oxygen species, increase your metabolic function, increase your energy level, increase your exercise performance, reduce body fat, increase lean muscle mass, and reduce age-related deterioration and aging, and increase your lifespan. Also, most importantly, cancer suppression as well. So let's talk about some of the doses here. So the phytochemicals that support mitochondrial function would be your berberine. The dose is 500 milligrams uh, TID. Curcumin is 500 to 1,500 milligrams QD. Sulforaphane is 50 to 200 milligrams QD. Uh, quercetin is 250 to 500 TID. Resveratrol is 50 milligrams BD. And Terostibin is 50 milligrams BD and green tea polyphenol is 50 to 100 QD. And other treatment like, for example, nutrients like acetine alcarnitine is 1,500 to 3,000 milligrams. Alpha lipoic acid is 300 to 900 milligrams. The core enzyme Q10, 50 to 200 milligrams the magnesium is 100 to 500 milligrams, and acetylcysteine NAC is 500 to 3,000 milligrams. Your creatine is 5 to 15 grams, melatonin 3 to 20 milligrams range, and nicotinamide riboside is 50 to 100, sorry, 250 to 1,000 milligrams. And you've got the branch chain amino acids, 5 to 15 grams. So a long list there for you to remember. Okay, so with regards to the branch chain amino acid supplements, it what is good about this is that it promotes the survival and supports the cardiac and skeletal mitochondrial uh, biogenesis. Uh, it, it has been seen in mice. Uh, it improved the life expectancy and increased the number of mitochondrial uh, all mitochondria change to younger ones, uh, it reduced oxidative stress, and the oxidate oxygen defense system gets turned on. So new genes are turned on uh, as similar to caloric restriction. So always remember, use food first to improve. So the takeaway is remember to eat uh, and drink colorful food and beverages that are antioxidant rich and phytonutrient dense like your blueberries, your broccoli, spinach, green tea, red wine, and onions. Avoid toxin in food, personal care products, lawn chemicals, home cleaning chemicals, and medication. Consider calorie restriction, intermittent fasting, and episodic cold exposure, and challenge the brain and body with physical and cognitive exercises. Okay? Thank you very much for listening. And like what I say, if you need some more information about intermittent fasting and 
uh, ketogenic or mitochondrial food plan, please come and contact me at info at dririnecheng.co.uk. And thank you for listening. And please subscribe and follow. Music